Welcome back to the Bennett Brothers Podcast for the Star Wars TV series, The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 9, The Marshal. Chapter 9. And I'm Jerry Bennett. And I'm Joel Bennett. Thank you for joining us yet again as we delve in this new season. We're going to talk about the episode, spoil the heck out of it, give Easter eggs, our thoughts, our opinions. There's a lot going on here, so uh, you're going to want to hear this. You're going to want to listen to this. It's going to be good times. We're going to get right into it this time. We're going to try something new. We're going to just go deep into it, and then if you want to get in contact with us, we'll give you all that information at the end of the podcast. No news, just Mandalorian. We haven't talked about this. Joel, what did you think coming back to The Mandalorian? This episode is nothing but wow. Nothing but wow for me. It was awesome. 54 minutes, the it, longest aired episode. I'm not sure if that counts the recap or whatever, but the longest aired episode yet. Yeah, it was it was uh, quite phenomenal. Uh, th- this is doing something super right, and I think the uh, – I tried to figure out what makes this so good. I mean, I love the Western aspect of it. I love the pacing of it. I love all that. But there is so much nostalgia in this, but it's not in your face. And I think that's what I really like about it. It's like an ex- it, it's not being nostalgic to be nostalgic. It's doing it as an extenuation of the story. And I think it feels like it's in the world of the original trilogy, the way Rogue One felt like it was in the world of the original trilogy. And I, I like that. I like that a lot. And I think I'm not the only one. I think this is a common theme throughout uh, Star Wars fandom. And I, you know, I can only assume this season is going to be keep up with this quality and this consistency. What about you? It was phenomenal. It was a little more standalone than I would have liked. I wanted the story to move forward. And I have read online where there is criticism of the show is that criticism of being more of a one and done, not moving the bigger storyline forward, uh, which... It could, I could see that as a criticism. I mean, I would love to see the main storyline going forward. But when the episode is this good, you also tend to go like, well, that's not a big deal, as, bu- as big a deal. And you're absolutely right about the nostalgic aspect of it. There is part of me that goes, Tatooine again? Come on, you know? yeah, I had that as well. But that's also the world that I know has the character that we see at the end and all of that connection. So I was like, okay, well, that, that'll, that'll go forward. I'm very excited about that. So I let that go. I don't want to be on Tatooine every episode. Just don't, but I, I know, but it really works really well for a Western, and I get that. Some of my favorite episodes last season, though, I love the one where they were in the uh, the prison ship, which was more tech, more Empire-like in a way, and I like that more. So, yes, this was a really good episode, and I'm very excited as the show goes forward. The, the quality just, you know, is, is, is the greatest. It's best stuff on TV right now. And just, and just to... Uh, back uh piggyback on what you were saying there the prison heist episode was also sort of it didn't really advance the storyline forward either it was sort of a one-off but i'm okay again but it was a new it was a new thing exactly that's the difference and i and i like that too and i I don't necessarily mind the one-offs and the one more thing about Tatooine, as much as i do because they went there in the first season and then they end up going back there and he was on other planets that were very similar with jawas on them that might have been for all intents and purposes could have been Tatooine. the the what you have to take from Tatooine is there is something about it. It's a force. It's the, the centralized force is there. Like, I don't even know. There's probably a way to explain it, but 
I can say that we are there often because of magic. I mean, that's what it comes it, down it, to. It is, and it, it goes in the face of Star Wars A New Hope, where he's like, if there's a place that's farthest from, you know, the center of the galaxy, this is it. It's the it's the last place. It's, it should not have this much. But because of the origin of Luke and his family and eventually Anakin, it becomes, you know, huge and in, in, in centralized in that. And the fact that the new trilogy, first off, Use Jakku, which again is Tatooine, <laughs> pretty much. And then at the very end, she goes back to Tatooine, anyways. Yeah. Right, so yeah, again, I just what are they going to do? I don't. I, I'll take this better than going. I don't. Don't go back to Naboo. I don't need to see that. I'm good. I don't need to go back to Naboo. I'm fine there. So any, it again, go to you know, any any you can go anywhere. Yes, you can go you back can. to Naboo if it's done right. The Gungans, Joel. The Gungans. I mean, you don't have to go to the Gungans. I mean, but you could, and you could right a wrong. I mean, that's that's one of those things that everything is anything that's bad can get fixed if it's done right. Uh, and and I and right now I trust the I trust John Favreau and uh, uh, Dave, Filoni. Dave Filoni to uh, to carry this franchise. I don't know if you saw the behind the scenes after the first season. Yeah, I watched all all those the episodes. directors and all that, and yeah. just the love that. The Dave Filoni and John Favreau have for this is perfect. It's perfect for yeah. this, and that's why I think these are doing these are so good. Uh, speaking of John Favreau, this first episode is directed by him. Uh, this is the first one he actually directed, correct? Because I think he was busy directing Lion King or something during the first one, and he was just executive producing and had a lot of vision, but he actually didn't direct any of them. Yeah, I'm not sure if he directed any of them, to be honest. I, I can double check that, but. Yeah. All right, so let's we're gonna go through this like we did before in the past, and like we've done with Shield. Joel's gonna kind of lead it on, and we'll be pointing out some Easter eggs. There's a there's a lot of them on there. I've got some listed out, and just kind of what sparked this episode for us, and you know what we liked about it, and hopefully some of that stuff is the same for you. And we'll see if we disagree on anything. Personally, I like cool stuff. Joel doesn't, so that usually causes a problem. We'll see if he finally likes cool. And by stuff. cool, Jerry means temperature wise. <laughs> so it's it's it, you know. He yeah. likes iced tea. I like regular tea. Gross. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, we're going to start. Uh, we, we start at the fighting pits. Uh, I want to point out the first thing I saw in this, because I know everyone, we talked about this last season, the way this is shot. It's shot on a stage with not a green screen, but an actual projection done through uh, video game rendering. That For the most part. They, they, they do on. some They do stuff, some green screen. For the most yeah. part. This opening was, was extremely dark, and I was like, uh-oh. And that's because they use the lighting from the projection, for the most part, as their lighting in the show. And so this first is very dark. It's done for a reason, though. Oh, it's done definitely um, for a story reason. It's done for the story red-eyed reason because we got red-eyed creatures. Yeah, I don't know what those are. I've but looked online, everywhere. and no one has come up with anything yet that I've read what those things are. There's graffiti all over the walls. A lot of X's uh, through stormtroopers and droids. This is all done from uh, Baby Yodel's... Uh, you Yodel. yes that's right it's i cannot believe it has not caught on baby yoda get out of here it's the child of yoda and the child of yodel whatever the other one was named yeah so it's yodel, yodel. it's baby yodel i know that you <laughs> love that name forgot about no it. no <laughs> uh we get to see a twilic doorman twilik's being first introduced in return of the jedi and then they he walks in what was the name of the twilik in return of the jedi um Oh, oh man. My God. Well, I don't remember her name. She was a dancer, though. That's not the and Twilight I'm talking about. I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking what was her name, Jerry? Huh? 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 Uh, the actress or the character? The character. 
uh, the character's name was Kula Kalinda. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Jabba's a major domo, Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna, I did know that. Oh, Dewani Wanga, oh, so Jabba Nobaga. We get to see. Speaking of Jabba's palace, this is we get to see some Gamorrean. Uh, well, they're not Gamorrean guards; they're just Gamorreans, Gamorreans. at this point fighting. Uh, they looked a little off to me because I guess they they're very skinny. Well, they don't have all the armor on, yeah, and so and it, I did the second time. It wasn't as bad. I was looking at like, is that skin look like it's wrinkly? Like the suit's not fitting. And I also the first time I watched it, I misheard what the character said about them, and I thought he said she as opposed to he. So I thought, wait a minute, is one of the uh, the, the Gamorreans a female? And I was just like, oh, because, you know, fine, you know, that'd be great. But I was like, well, if they are, they're all topless. So I guess I guess I misheard that. But yeah, I, I, they do look skinnier. They look skinnier. They look a little off to me. I mean, but that's without the armor, I guess. Um, yeah. I just Maybe, maybe a little less Muppety that way. Potentially. They and look you know very it was? Muppety. In it, was, the it looked like Jedi. the skin was a skin, like a, a morph suit, you know, those tight skin suits. And that's what it looked like when I first, like, and someone with a head, like a, puppet head on with the so they had suit on. so they were like they had the, the the bladed axe but they were hitting look are they hitting are they they covered in shields yeah it looked like they were covered in shields but clearly not shields that can stop a blaster bolt no okay we get introduced to gore koresh who is played by the one and only john leguizamo correction that's, voiced by voiced by fair enough uh, that's what it said i read that online as in he you know he's not in that suit versus Last season, when Horatio Sands played that one character, if you're seeing their eyes and everything, that's usually them. But which John Leguizamo could have been in the character because he played in Spawn. He was Mel Bolgia. Or no, Mel he was Bolgia. a violator. He was the violator, so he's done that in makeup. Yeah, this is this this particular race. And he was also the uh, the little person in uh, Moulin Rouge. So that's true. Uh, that uh, Toulouse Lautrec. Uh, yeah, I got that. And by Look the way, you with names. Well, today. Toulouse Lautrec was also the dancer's name at Chabas Palace. So just... <laughs> Um, so the, uh, the the creature that the race that he is in, we see one of his race. The kind race is of, the race is Abyssin, and they're a species native to Bis, B-Y-S-S. Yeah. Now we supposedly see the one in A New Hope when you know the one looks back mm-hmm. over and then turns, but that one didn't have like I would call a human eye. It had more of a cat uh, that one eye. was called myo myo but i mean you know what i mean the eye was more like a cat or a goat eye versus this one was more of a human one i mean that's just the variation i noticed mm-hmm. so mando uh gets into a confrontation here he we find out that he's restocked his weapons i remember that was such an issue for the first season was getting his weapons and getting his uh his ammo and things like that he's clearly restocked uh and then we have a nice little fight scene here which uh and i, I gotta put the trailer kind of Ruined the joke of it a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. People need to stop punching people who are wearing, wearing helmets. I like that they they acknowledge that. Though. I know. I got I got to say this after watching a Bears game where a guy punched a guy wearing a helmet. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Don't bring up that game. Uh, so we go. Uh, so this scene ends. He ends up Gore Koresh, uh, I'm assuming, is dead. Destroyed by the red uh, red eyed people, but you never know; they could always bring him back. We go to Tatooine. Well, hang on. Let's let's talk about some of the stuff we see here in the fight. We see actually one of the uh, people watching the fight. We have a bunch of different aliens, including one of the aliens that's fighting the Mandalorian. There is actually from the same race as Darth Maul, which we saw, but we saw some of those yeah. creatures last season. And Darth too. Maul takes him out. Another guy using that vibro blade that we saw in the first season when the two Mandalorians were, you know, kind of holding the knives on each other. It was the vibrating one, and we heard the sound effect for that. And then we also see 
the um, a mask headpiece for a character. It was identical to a character called Constable Constable Zuvio, uh, which is somebody who was supposed to be in the Force Awakened, but was actually cut. But these characters have showed up in like the the helmets and the look of the helmet has shown up in Clone Wars and whatever. So it actually is now on camera. Uh, there's a couple of pictures online of the characters. So I thought that was interesting, and. The other, the only other thing that was uh, I thought was was interesting was uh, that the character of Gore Koresh, when he he's telling them that he's telling them the truth, he goes, "I swear by the Gortra," and the Gortra in the existing Star Wars universe is a droid rights group mentioned in the 2014 Tarkin novel, which was a great novel. Uh, so I thought that was that's another minor. Easter egg. Well, but. and also the droid, the droid's rights, you can extend back to Solo, the movie Solo, where we have yes. a droid fighting for droid rights. So we go to Tatooine, entering to Moss Eisley again. Pelo Moto returns. Were we in Moss Eisley? Or were we in Moss Espa? No, this was Moss Eisley, where Pelo Moto is. She was in, that's where they were last season. Are you, are you, are you sure about that? I'm. Because I think like, Moss Eisley is the big one. That that's from that's from Star Wars, and most Espa is the one there. Also from Star Wars, but <laughs> no, not well, not not in. Well, so we'll, we'll get to. I mean, I'm I'm almost I'm almost 100 positive this is Moss uh, Eisley. All right, I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, she, uh, I like this moment here where she tells the droids to keep away because he doesn't like droids, and then he's like, "No, let the droids work on it." And I like seeing him sort of change his mind about droids because of IG-11. Yeah, the IG unit. Uh, from the first season. So it's interesting to see him sort of overcoming his droid problem, phobia, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I thought that was a nice little touch. Some of the things in the background here is she's working on a, a turbine, which is really similar to Sebulba's racer from Phantom Menace. And obviously, I love the fact that she acknowledges uh, Baby Yodel and gets excited about that. And that was a funny little, you know, there's just a minor amount of comedy in here. Mm-hmm. Especially with the three Stooges droids just touching back on Phantom Menace. It's like, just enough. And then, okay, we're not going to focus on that, but we we let that happen. That's how you do it. Yes. But the greatest showing up. Well, hold on. Before, before we get to that, he uh, he mentions what his mission is. He says he, he needs to find another member of his kind to chart a path through the networks of coverts to figure out where, as Jerry calls it, Baby Yodel needs to go back to its people. Explain this to me, Jerry. How does this work? What's his plan here? Well, another Mandalorian Mandalorian told him to do this, the Forger. Mm-hmm. So she kind of probably has a connection of people. So I don't know why he just didn't get the information from her. So he's supposed to find a Mandalorian, and then that Mandalorian is supposed to lead him to another Mandalorian? And then eventually all those Mandalorians are, he's supposed to follow that path to find this species? I think that's all he has because he knows that Mandalorians are in connection with each other. They, they're in an underground network. And, you know, so he's basically saying, well, listen, they kind of have a spy network mixed into everything, and maybe that's his connection to go there. And he doesn't know of any other ones. I mean, he didn't even know that this one was on Tatooine. Okay, that's fair. It was. It just seems, it seems like a complicated goal, like, as opposed to finding a species. I think, I mean, I guess, I don't know how you would go about finding a species, but it's What's seems- also interesting about this is, is one of the most famous, if not the most famous Jedi is Yoda. Yes. And what this is basically saying is in the 50 years since the the fall of the the Republic, Palpatine has erased virtually all information 
on these characters. In fact, he in on Tat on a Coruscant, he actually you know used the Jedi Temple for something else. He built over the top of it or whatever. It was crazy. But he's basically so that now that nobody know you know it's a bunch of superstitious nonsense and no one knows anything about Yoda, who would be you know world's famous really. Yes, good point. Good point. And so now Jerry had mentioned the the big return cameo of R five. I thought this was a really funny scene here because she has R5 come over to bring up a map and R5 moves at its normal pace. And she's like, come on, hurry up. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I did burst slow. out. I went, oh, R5 before. It was so nerdy. And then, of course, they show the top of it because they actually made a point. Uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni made a point to say, "Hey, can we make this one actually the R5D4." And so they did some painting on the on the back of the top of its head where it had blown up in a. Interesting, new because um, we actually saw. My understanding was we saw this last season too. This R five unit. Uh, but maybe it was a different R five unit that they. Maybe it was just in the back. But yeah, this uh, one. But is this that. is not the only. R, this is not the only time R five has made an appearance, though. It also was seen roaming the streets of Mos Espa in episode two. Yeah, yeah, but there could be other R five units, like there's other R two units. Uh, but this one specifically is R five D four because of the marking on the top of its head, which I don't know if you know the history of the of the the basic Star Wars back history, but the reason R5 actually explodes in A New Hope is because R2-D2 messed with him because he needed to get out of that Jawas thing. I did know that. Nerd. But now everyone else listening knows that. Nerds. On the map, we get to see Moss Espa, which we have been talking about. Uh, that was where... Moss Espa is actually where episode one primarily took place. In fact, the the Bonta, uh, the Bonta Eve classic pod race sequence... That is at the Moss Espa Grand Arena. So, I mean, that whole okay. that all takes place at Moss Espa. So, we've seen Moss Espa before, but it's nice to get a reference to it. Uh, well, you know what? Okay, so you're probably right cause, because we do... The last time we were in this episode... Okay, so you're right. All right, you're right. This was... Uh, uh, my size lead because we do know the cantina is here because we went back to the cantina in the first episode. Or the yes. first season. Fine. We are on our way to Moss Pelgo now. And uh, this is Mon- we see Mondo sitting with a couple of Tuscan Raiders. I-, I found this interesting, which is a, a little Easter egg that one of the uh, Tuscan Raiders, the actors, is actually deaf, and he helped create the sign language for wow, the Tuscan Raiders. Which they're like, how do we get more people involved in this? Who you know, what are we missing? And they're like, Tuscan Raiders need to use sign language, and so therefore they got someone who is deaf to do that. And I thought that was really interesting. I should have had that gentleman's name. But I do not have that in front of me. He goes to Moss Pelgo, or is that the yeah Moss Pelgo, correct? Yes, and, yes. And, and he, he goes uh, there in the speeder that he had from the first episode, first season. Yes, and he uh, goes into a bar, and there uh, is a Weequay there, who they call Weequay. They don't actually get yeah, him. Yeah, that's weird. Of course, they call him Mando. <laughs> yeah, a Weequay. I'm I'm okay with that because Weequay is actually the only alien in the town, or I shouldn't say alien, but the only non-human species in that town. So. They've done that in the past too with other shows. I can't remember what it was, but there's like always just one alien. I can't remember. I've seen this before. Uh, it's usually the uh, Star Trek with War from the Bridge. <laughs> no, no, that's not alien. what I'm referring to. Um, <laughs> and then, so he's at the bar, and in walks someone in Boba Fett's armor, which was fantastic. Not, and not quite fitting armor, though. Not quite fitting. Much taller. This is the Marshall, known as... Yeah, uh, Marshall Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth, who uh, played by... Timothy uh, Oliphant. Yes, thank you. Did you. By the way, did you know who played the Weequay? It was another... I didn't, I didn't watch the show, so... You didn't watch... Um, Deadwood? You didn't watch Deadwood? No, or Justified. Okay, because in Deadwood, Timothy Oliphant 
is a marshal. Is 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 the sheriff and Dan, the character of Dan is a uh, an actor on uh, it's basically He's a bartender. No, he's well he's 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 among other things, but the fact that these two are together in this is well, they're wonderful. They're together in Justified apparently. I didn't watch Justified. This I didn't watch it. Justified. I heard that was a good show too. I don't know. Might be one of those shows worth watching. No, and you should watch uh, Deadwood before. I can't believe I thought you watched Deadwood. No, I didn't watch it for years, and I had just watched it like last year because I heard the movie. So actually, it's only like three or four seasons, and not even that much. And then boom, the movie, and it ends. Well, you can tell me a little bit more about Cobb Vanth because he made an appearance in the Star Wars Aftermath novels. That is where he's first introduced in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath trilogy. He's in there. You, you don't know. You, there's a character walking around in. Basically, you think it's Boba Fett in the first time they introduce it, but eventually it turns out to be this character of Cobb Vanth. And his whole backstory that we get to see here, where the mining guild or whoever it comes mining in, cola, my, they it. come in. That was basically from the book. Uh, although if you remember in the flashback of that, I know I'm jumping ahead here a little bit in that flashback, but talk, is uh, the vehicle that he ends up stealing those crystals out of that's the same kind of vehicle that we saw in star wars a new hope it's one of the it's not the skyhopper but it's the other vehicle that they had next to the land speeder at luke's place it's the same kind of uh land speeder nice and there was a picture a drawing of boba fett on the vehicle and then nobody and people are wondering why there's a picture of boba fett on that vehicle his helmet so i don't know why they did that that's that was that was fascinating and then obviously the the uh container that he steals that from that's actually the same container or similar container that we saw from season one which mandalorian kept his uh gold in or whatever you want to call it, which was basically the ice cream maker from empire strikes back that some guy was running the hallway in cloud city and um, there's a name for it and it's escaping me right now yeah but yes yeah, he's a character and this is his his backstory and what this confirms to us right now because when you first see it you're like is that boba fett's armor because you you think it is but then again, it doesn't fit him right. But then as soon as you really see the helmet with the dent there, you know it's his. His. So what this confirms at this point in the episode is at least the armor made it out of the Salak pit. Yes, correct. So we have a good little scene here with Mando demanding the armor from Cobb, which I thought was really good. Mando is very like, you're going to give me that armor. And I just, I just like this. Yeah, it was great. But then they get conveniently interrupted by a cryat dragon or a crate dragon or a crate dragon i don't know how you actually pronounce it crate is it crate yes well the crate dragon they say it several times in the episode oh well i there you go the crate dragon comes in like tremors it's under the ground everyone's getting off the ground and then uh i found this interesting i did not notice this myself until the second time watching it but the crate dragon actually makes the same sound that obi-wan makes in episode four to scare off the sand people Yes, that is that is that is continuity. He's always making the sound of the the crate dragon. The history of the crate dragon, as far as in the film universe, is that giant skeleton that we see in Star Wars: A New Hope, where C three PO is walking around. You know, hey over here. You know, he's around that that scene. He's walking around the that you know he he'll do no better uh, that part where he's left R two D two. We see that skeleton, which is still in the Tunisian desert as we speak. But that skeleton was a little smaller than the size that they're giving us. Well, here. it was a big skeleton. What that skeleton? You want a history of that skeleton? I just found out was there was a movie in the '60s, a Disney movie called "We." Uh, it's like we lost one of our dinosaurs. We lost one of our whatever, and there was a, a dinosaur skeleton that was made for that movie of a, a basically a whatever the skeleton looked like. Uh, when they did this movie, when they did a New Hope, they 
it was at Pinewood Studios in England, and they bought, they brought it, and they shipped it to the Tunisian desert, and they put it out there for that scene, and it was too expensive to like load it back up, so they just left it out there. So it's been sitting out there, and people have uncovered it from time to time, and a couple of people took some pieces, but it's really heavy. So that's the same, you know, skeleton that we see, the same creature, the crate dragon, and when you talked about the Obi Wan Kenobi using that sound, now every time Obi Wan used that sound on the on the Sand People. There's three different versions because they kept changing it every time George Lucas made it. There's the original sound, then there was the special edition, and then there's the latest version. And the second and the third version are awful. Awful. There was nothing wrong with what they did in the first one. The elephant sound? Ooh, that's what it's like. No, like one of the later, one of the later yeah. ones goes like this. It sounds, it sounds just like this. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's like, yikes. It's like McClunky. Um, and so what they did, I was listening to for it here, and I heard it more in the second time, is they've gone back to the first one. They've gone back to the original version, which should never have been changed. Yes. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yes. Uh, in fact, every time they changed it, it sounded worse. I kept, oh my God, it's terrible. So I was very happy that wow. they actually changed it. It sounds like something else that they changed and got worse every time they did it. Yes. So they make a quick line here. This is This is the sign of good writing to me is when they... They can throw in a one-liner that answers a plot potential plot hole question when when Mando's like, I'm just going to come by and bomb it. And then he's like, it'll sense the vibrations and not come out of the ground. I like that, you know, too. Good writing. It, it doesn't make It doesn't make sense, but... I'm, you know, it's a, it's a, it's smart writing, like, because you, you could easily go, why don't they just bomb it with the ship? <laughs> so that, I thought that was great. If they, if they couldn't come up with that, they would have said his ship is is down for repairs for the next, you know, two weeks or something like that. But yeah, this was it. And while they were sitting there, they were in the middle, he was, uh, the marshal, Cobb Vanth, had a big old jug of spotchka there, the blue liquid. Yes. So they're going to go to the, the, where the crate dragon lives on the way there we get to see Cobb's speeder bike and people have really analyzed this online it it's, looks like except for a couple of modifications one of Anakin's engines from his pod racer I think it's just a pod I don't know if it's anything specific well they like people are like there's a the the circle is a little bit different and then there's like a fin a, a reinforced fin on the bottom oh, so but that other was than 50 that 50 years ago other than that it's exactly the same so who knows? I mean, I, it, it could be. They, I mean, it could be an homage to it. Why did Cobb never ride with his helmet on throughout this whole scene? Well, because he got to show off his pretty face. <laughs> hey, man, I give the show credit that they don't have Mando walking around with his just his face hanging out all the time. Like, oh my God, his face is hanging out. Tuck yeah. that in, man. Maybe you know what it looked like too. It looked like the helmet was a little short, so his chin would stick out the bottom. So maybe he. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure about the whole look of it. Like when you see him from behind and everything, it made me, you know, and you can see his hair and you can see his neck. And it made me realize that part of Boba Fett's look was you never got even a hint towards anything around his face. And if anything. you look at Mando, like his armor covers him. I know he has more armor, but it covers him completely. Like his, if you compare helmet sizes, I thought that was just a little interesting. Is look. this also saying that Timothy Olfant is really tall? I'm, I, maybe he is. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure. I'm assuming he's over six feet. I guess. And so maybe that's why the armor doesn't fit so well because he's just so much taller than everybody yes. else so on the way there we get he goes into flashback mode and we get the aftermath of the return of the jedi when the second death not the first death star the second death star explodes which i you know that's that's so it's such a simple little thing but it brings such joy to my heart that they connect to the movies like that here's a trivia bit for you you know when that they're watching the holographic display of that 
and you're seeing a bunch of text running around the circle on the bottom of the Death Star exploding, mm -hmm. that text people have deciphered what it is because that has a real language. It's actually the crawl from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's true. That's great. We get introduced, to, like Jerry said, to the mining collective, and they we find out they turn Mos Palgo into a slave camp, which is very similar to everything that's ever happened on Tatooine with slaves. In the aftermath novels, which take place around this time period, maybe a little before or after, that Mos Pelgo is actually renamed Freetown. So that was in the books, the aftermath books, was it's called Freetown. Nice. So Cobb escapes, or helps the Weequay escape. Uh, they barely survive. He ends up stealing uh, the money from the mining uh, collective, and that's where he ends up meeting the Jawas. They try to sell him stuff. He ends up buying Boba Fett's armor, which I know they talked about in the aftermath as well, like we like we've already mentioned. So he comes back wearing the Boba Fett armor. He kills a bunch of guys, and like we talked about last season, he has to get shot once to show that the to armor. show that the armor is bullet laser proof. And he also showed that the Boba Fett toy really did shoot off a missile backpack. Yes, he shoots the missile backpack. Didn't didn't they do that already though? In Jango Fett did it. Jango Fett did it in the Clone yeah. Wars. Yeah. So we cut back. Was this the first time we've seen the targeting thing drop down? I think you. I don't know if they. You see it down in uh, Empire Strikes Back. When? When when Boba oh. Fett is following behind the Millennium yeah, Falcon, he does have it detaches for the yeah. garbage. I don't know if I don't know if it physically moves down. I can't remember if we've seen Jango Fett do it or if it's been something that's been in one of the cartoons or not. We are en route to the to the Dragon's Lair. You can't see Dragon's Lair, the, the Crate's Lair, which we've come to find Dragon's out. Dragon's Lair! We've come to find out it's an abandoned Sarlacc pit. Sarlaccs uh, don't abandon their pits, though. But they can be eaten by crates. So, uh, so is that saying... That Boba Fett got out of the Salak, is it the same Salak, and that's how it got out? Potentially, or, yeah, did he... Or did, did, did Boba Fett get out, out the same way? Because it, we because clearly, clearly, as we're going to find out in a little bit, Boba Fett's jetpack still works. Yes. So did he blast his way out? Well, is it, is it foreshadowing the way Mando got out of the dragon? Is it the same way that Boba Fett gets out of the Sarlacc? We'll find out. We're mm -hmm. going to find out at some point. Oh, that's going to be exciting. I'm looking yes. forward to that. Season three. So uh, Mando and Cobb, they stumble upon some uh, massives, which were the dogs, creatures that were first seen in uh, Attack of the Clones. Correct. Uh, and then this is the moment where Mando and Cobb, they team up with the raiders. Um, I, th I like this next scene here, and I don't think anyone's mentioned this. So there's two different types of guns. that There's one. There's a gun that the raiders have, and then there's this curved device that has like a pokey end thing. Yeah, that's the, uh, what the hell is it called? Banthus, Banthus, uh, something like yeah. That's but, but that's they what the toy they came use, with. But yeah, they use the one end. That's what the toy came with, right? They use the one end. That one end is for cleaning the Banthus teeth. That we oh, is that? See. <laughs> yeah, and nice. I was like, that's that's clever. Nice. I, I mean, I'm sure it's used for other things, but they were cleaning the Banthus teeth. With yeah, it, that. So that's uh, nice. I, I apologize. I cannot think of the uh, the staff is called something specific. Its name is escaping me right. That's at all right. Moment. We're giving them a ton of information. Yeah. If we can't remember the name of one thing, we'll be okay. Oh no, we've we, a lot of things. Those, uh, yeah. The what was now? You remember the the drink, quote unquote drink that they gave the marshal? Yes. Have we seen that before? I kind of feel like it we has have. been mentioned. I don't it, not, like breaking not it in, open and having not it any movies. See, not breaking any it movies. open though and having it crack like that. It seems real familiar to me. I'm trying to remember what that was from. But uh, you're thinking that you're you're being reminded of GI Joe the animated movie. No, I know what I'm being reminded of. Well, that's true. I'm actually. I know. I just realized what I'm. I'm being reminded of Prometheus. 
at the beginning. That too, yeah. Because that they open up that thing and they crack it and like that. That's what I'm thinking of. That great movie Prometheus, only bettered by uh, Alien Covenant. Anywho. Well, we're not doing a podcast on that? No. Maybe we should. Might make the movies better. We go to the abandoned Sarlacc pit, the quote-unquote abandoned Sarlacc pit. We find out that, this is where we find out that the the, uh, the dragons, they eat the Sarlaccs, and, they, and then they also eat the raiders as well, because this raider just gets, they're going to feed it a bantha, and then, nope. See, the thing was, he puts all that effort in to eat that thing. It's like, that'd be like you eating a Tic Tac. Maybe uh, good and plenty. It's so small. I know, right? <laughs> Who eats a good and plenty? I don't want a good and plenty. Yeah, and I want good and fruity. Uh, and then so they talk about this, and they they I like this is another bit of comedy, and like maybe they need to re- rethink their strategy. It was just a throwaway line by Mando, and it was funny. And so Mando volunteers that the village is the reinforcements to help with uh, trying to kill the dragon. So we're we also we're also we're also given a, at one point in this part when they're expecting we actually get a circle wipe. Yes, which we, we have not yep. gotten that. That's that's obviously very Star Wars movie-esque, the Skywalker stories. But that's not something that we see a lot in this show. Uh, but it was prominent there all of a sudden. I, and, I, and I like it, and I miss it. makes me realize how much I miss it. I don't know why they did it, though. Why do you think they did it? I don't know. That's why I was asking. Um, I mean, they could do it because now we're getting into more of a... A Star Wars rallying, like it's more of a Star Wars kind of New Hope feel, where they're putting the people together to. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 hard to figure out. I thought about it, but I can't get a good answer for it. We go back to Mos Pelgo, and <laughs> so Marshall's so got to give a speech. Marshall gives a speech about. Uh, he's like, I just got to give the armor back, and the weak way is like, oh, this is done. He's like, and well. We're going to be doing this with the Tuscan, the Tuscan Raiders, the Sand People, and then I, I like that I, they call them Tuscan and Sand People. They go back and forth with that. I, I believe one of the one of the villagers stands up and goes, "They took our jobs." They took our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. But they they decide they're going to work together, even though one of them drops a an explosive. Hey, what are you trying what to do over there? Crazy Who do you think you are? You get out of here. <laughs> no, whatever. <laughs> it's hard to do a Tuscan. Like, yeah, when when Mando's doing the voice, I'm like, that, that doesn't my- sound like him at all. <laughs> <laughs> so they so they're going out there with a bunch of explosives. They go to the Sarlacc pit. We find out that Cobb finally takes a drink of the stinky liquid, which has a name. I didn't write it down, but he takes he finally takes a drink, saying we're gonna work together, kind of thing. And then we get this. I was waiting through this whole thing to like see a scene where like one of the one of the the people like pick up one of the, the sand people and they hug or something I'm like they never did that which i was like okay it's good because they still would probably hate each other uh, we get a great little montage sequence here of them getting ready i thought it was really well done and the music by the way as we always talk about the music again was just phenomenal through this and, whole and episode. Then something... you don't realize how much you love the theme yes. dun, dun, dun. oh man so good and I then something happens i didn't i didn't notice the first time neither the dragon comes in and we immediately change formats to the imax format the or, or, or regular, you know, at this point. We, we, everybody well, keeps this, saying IMAX. Well, this was this. Sh- this was shot with IMAX cameras. Did you read that anywhere yes. specifically? Well, I read that specifically in a couple places, this, which is the this goes into the format of IMAX format. Uh, and I'm, what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking here is, is they, when they shot this, this was pre-COVID. This is all guessing. 
This is all I know. This is all. I've read nowhere. I've looked for somebody to see official on this. But I think this was originally supposed to have an episode one IMAX release, the same way they did with Inhumans and Game of Thrones, which completely makes sense because in Game of Thrones they shot uh, some of the scenes with an IMAX camera because they knew they were going to be premiering season eight, I believe. And this is uh, long enough to to probably do Mm -hmm. that. It was, and that's what I think was going to happen pre-COVID. But obviously, the theater shut down. But it, I didn't notice it was so smooth. I noticed it coming out. I noticed the bars returning coming out of the battle. Well, here's but going a, in. The thing it about it is, so is most television shows are obviously television's format is sixteen by nine right now, and a lot of TV shows try to feel more cinematic, so that they'll actually shoot at a wider aspect range, which is weird because these are shows that are not originally at a movie theater. Movie theaters have different screen sizes and they may choose to do that for different cinemascopes at 2.355 to 1 or 1.8. There's different aspect ratios. And so when certain TV shows do it, it's done to almost give it a cinematic feel when in reality the final output uh, is on a a piece of equipment that we're all looking at that's not even utilizing the whole thing. So you keep saying iMac, and I hear what you, iMacs, but it's like it's it, instead it just opens it up to the full frame. The only way I could compare it to an iMac Blu-ray situation is like in the movie The Dark Knight, which had iMac scenes shot. So on the Blu-ray itself, and also on a Tron Legacy, or yeah, Tron, the, or Tron, yeah, Tron Legacy, yeah. But they would they would actually cut and so on the blu-rays you would see the widescreen and the, the although and those aspects they would cut boom 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 it'd be wide it would not it'd be wide it would be not Interstellar this does this oh uh, uh, yeah but this one does it and actually just has a move which i thought was you know was, yeah, yeah was, and i mean it, it's interesting that you say the cinematic thing of it like normally when you want to make something cinematic you put the bars on the bottom and the top and that makes it look more cinematic yeah. this is the opposite where the bars like because it's just that's the way the format is when they show they when they show the size of the creature, the bars are put away so it fills up your screen. Which I that stuff gets really technical and and because there's so many different types of formats out there. But it was cool to see the way they used it in such a way that you didn't even know it was happening. So we go through this this battle, which was awesome. We find out the dragon spits acid. Yeah, what which was that, that was out of nowhere. Which they would show it, but they would never show the aftermath. It was kind of like, hey, we're still on Disney Plus. Let's not. You know, we can burn some people, but let's not show some grisly remains. So, and then we see Cobb and Mando. They fly after it, which was a great scene here. Very cool. Um, so they're flying after it. They can't do anything. I think they're trying to shoot the eye, which I, I'm i assuming that's what they were trying to do, because mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. <laughs> they go and land. I like the moment here where Mando finally gets the idea to use the Bantha with the explosives, and he he hits Just like Boba Han Solo. Fett's, yep, he hits the backpack, and it sends him off flying. So that's a, a nice little callback to Return of the Jedi. Did you like when the Krayt Dragon, was that like incredible when it burst out the top of the mountain? Oh, it was great. I was not and expecting then, that. And then it's behind them at one point. Like, it was... It was. It was. <laughs> it's nothing super quite as. Wild. I cannot believe somebody has not put a video together of those sand people hot footing it away from there. Like, whoa, look out! And they just like, like <laughs> uh, Benny Hill music. I mean, it seems like. But it was. So, it right was too. so well done. The oh, beats yeah. and every the timing and everything. You where where it's going? What like what's happening? I just. It was super well done. Uh, so the Mandalorian gets out of the scenario, like we talked about, which maybe Boba Fett did by flying out and also using his uh, one weapon that can actually send out electrical charges. So he was basically pissing he the elect- whale off yeah, from he, the inside. He electric- electrified himself out of there. Now this, I have not played these games, but there are, this is remnant. You actually 
Face the Dragon and a couple of the video games that have been out for years. Which aren't probably in continuity anymore. Not in continuity, but he still wins the same way the video games won. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting, and I'll bring that up uh, again in a second here. It's basically Smaug. Uh, but, but this is, you know, is this foreshadowing how Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc pit? We shall find out. So they kill the, they kill the, uh, great dragon, the dragon, the great dragon. The Tuscan Raiders are digging in. They pull out a pearl, which this is in the mentioned, the pearls mentioned in the aftermath novels. Yes. But previous before that, all this was done in video games where you, the Tuscan Raiders would get the pearl or you would get the pearl after killing the great dragon. So. People were not, sh- and there was people, because again, in the first season on Mandalorian, we saw that other uh, reptile creature that when he killed it, he had that fuzzy egg that he gave mm-hmm. to the Jawas. So it's like, well, what are we pulling out this time? Is this an egg? And some people actually thought it was an egg until you had to realize what well, it was. Those people are stupid. I thought so know. too, stupid people. Stupid people. And then right as we end here, uh, the screen goes back to normal. This is when I noticed it. I was like, oh, my God, the screen's back to normal. What happened? I didn't even pay attention <laughs> Again, to it. Again, didn't catch it the first time through here. Uh, and then this leads to a beautiful shot of uh, the speeder going by the dual sons of Tantooine. And then we get the reveal of if you don't follow, you don't he, follow he, already gave the, he already gave him the armor at this point. He gave him back the Yes, he gave him back the armor. armor. And if you, don't, if you don't follow what's going on with actors signing uh, contracts or – who this actor might be, um, we get the reveal of, of assumingly, assumedly Boba Fett. I mean, they could still pull one over on us and be like, "This is a clone who hasn't aged." This is the era, actor uh, Tamuria, Tamuria Morrison, last La- last prominently seen in the Aquaman movie as uh, Aquaman's uh, stepfather. Yeah, but he he. Uh, he we're assuming he was Jango Fett. Fett. He was Jango Fett yes. in Attack of the Clones and all the other clones. And he also was in placing playing all the clones in Star uh, Episode Three too, Revenge of the Sith. So we've seen him, and he would be aged up. His face has got some scars. He's bald. He, uh, all intents and purposes, he's got on. He's carrying a couple of Sandcrawler gun and that pike that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. And we see his face. And when he walks away, I've heard people say, and I have not heard that they said that they can hear his spurs when he's walking. Did you hear the I spurs? Did not, I didn't hear that. See, because the spurs that we heard in season one, where the one character got killed. Ming Na Wen's yeah, character, yes. We, he, we see what looks like Boba Fett's feet, and we hear his spurs, which we've heard in the original trilogy. So I did not hear the spurs here, but some people have said that they have. So maybe they've listened really closely on a surround channel. Surround channel. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like I said, there are clones who are technically still alive at this point because one of them is in Return of the Jedi. Yes so. and no. They kind of I've heard, I've heard both ways that saying that that is Rex, Rex. and that isn't. Yeah. But yeah, that's when this actor was hired for the season. It was now it's obviously been confirmed. People thought okay, he can play Boba Fett, but he could also play Commander Rex. Now Rex is out there and he is uh, tied in with Ahsoka Tano's character. This is the last time we saw both of their characters was in Rebels, other than when we think we see him in Return of the Jedi. So if Ahsoka Tano a does... Ret- a retcon version of him in yes. Return, uh, Return of the Jedi. He's the one with the white hair, the old man that's there yes. with the white hair and the white beard. Yeah, so if Ahsoka Tano does show up this season, like they're speculating, and he's played by Rosario Dawson, there's a good chance that he could be playing Captain Rex. Although I would think... That would be damn dangerous for the casual viewer, like our aunt and uncle. If they were watching this, they would be confused as all get out if they saw him playing two different characters. Well, they've never seen him play Boba Fett, so... I know, but to see who this character is here, think about the average well, here's the person. Thing, Boba, Fett, Boba Fett is going to be 
Boba Fett has to look younger because Boba Fett was a kid who didn't get the ant- the quick growth uh, thing to to make him an adult. So Boba Fett compared to Rex, there's two different ages there. There's probably you know 20 years difference between the two of them, at least. Mm, I don't think yeah, 20 because, years. They were well. It depends on how you. I mean, the, how old the, the aging the things? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how old the clones were compared to I would how old say, Boba Fett is. I would say. Well, they should ten be, tops, no, well, ten tops, because he's like twelve, thirteen, whatever in that one, and the other ones, Cody and them, they could have been. But how old is Jango Fett compared to Boba Fett? That's that's the age difference right there. It's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. But well, it, it's it most likely is Boba Fett. But oh yeah, I know. But would do you think if we see him as Boba Fett, do you think there's a chance he'll show up as Rex later on? I don't. I don't think we're gonna get Rex. As much as that would be awesome, I don't. I don't think that's in the cards for us but you know it'd be great if we did i don't know who knows the fact that they if this is boba fett and they revealed him in the first freaking episode that's something that's something a show would save to the last episode well this was basically paralleling the baby yoda reveal from that first season yeah so i'm great that that, that's awesome let's do it all right some couple of things i wrote down here that i forgot to mention here i said i talked about the boba fett spurs and the imax screen ratio first up john legazamo's voice was unrecognizable to me in both times second time i I still didn't get it and then the other thing that stood out to me is when they're talking about how big the crate dragon is and the marshal's like i don't think it's that big that can't be to scale i'm like haven't everybody seen that giant skeleton probably out in the dune sea like if he's been on he's been on tattooing his whole life he said i thought to myself you come on you have had to have seen that really long skeleton that's probably not the only one sitting out there well what's interesting is like you the way you see it like you have the head and then the neck and then you see the belly but it looks like the belly is at the end of the body so it actually just looks like a head in a snake body a little bit it like, you would think like this thing's huge there must be way more to the body than that and we're not seeing it but it doesn't it doesn't seem that way it looks like the skeleton it looks like the body ends at the belly. If you if you go back and watch it, that's what I, that's the way this the way it's laid out. Like it doesn't have arms, it doesn't have wings, you know, or legs or anything like that. It looks like it's just a. a You're trying to tie head. this into Game of Thrones, aren't you? Well, no. I mean, I'm just saying that that it is it is very big, and there are moments when it looks huge. And now, there are moments. Do you think when this was d- was big. done to steal the thunder from the new Dune movie? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. One hundred percent, or it's just an homage to Tremors, I've, or maybe maybe it's done to hey, talk about the new Beetlejuice movie. Hey, if you're gonna do Tremors, you have to do the one quote: "You broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> I think they just made another one of those movies. Yeah. All um, right, so that brings us to the end of this. Joel, yeah. any final thoughts on this? As far as is it as good as you remember, better, worse? Oh, it's as good as I remember. I mean, yeah. this this is this is so again. <laughs> I've seen people like. What do you pay a year for Disney Plus? Like I don't pay that for Disney Plus. I pay that yearly for The Mandalorian and kind of the Clone Wars as well. <laughs> it's like yeah, this that show this show is the reason to have Disney Plus. It is amazing. Agreed. All right, so we will be back. Uh, we're gonna do this uh, weekly as we were doing. We are still watching, or I think we're still watching Hellstrom. Hellstrom. How many have you watched? I have uh, watched six. I think I've watched four. I'm not jumping through it. Honestly, I don't know if we're going to, as I'm watching this, nothing's making me want to talk about that anymore. Maybe we can, <laughs> maybe when we get to the end, we can say, eh, 
but uh, we'll I think if you what, really want to hear us talk about us, you can. No one's out there telling the Bennett brothers that they want more Hellstrom. If you so. really want to hear us talk about it, go to facebook.com slash Bennett Brothers Podcast. Send us a tweet at Bennett Brothers Pod or just send us an email, Bennett Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to talk about everything we just talked about, correct us on anything we got wrong because I'm sure there's something we got so wrong. So much. Or if there was something we missed that you would find interesting for us to know. Please contact us. Let us know. Facebook's the easiest way, but there's all those other ways as well. Also, just go to patreon.com slash Bennett Brothers Podcast if you want to get one of our exclusive mini casts that we have been posting. Uh, we've been posting a lot of stuff lately, so it's worthwhile for a dollar or whatever you want to pay. Uh, give that a listen, and that helps us out, and we appreciate that. Yes, we just put up one last week, uh, which was us basically comparing the Umbrella Academy to the boys. Really good, interesting conversation on which thought, one we think is better. We did take opposite approaches to that, and I thought I thought it was interesting. My friend Brendan, he he wrote in our uh, Facebook thing. He's like, "Are you guys comparing who would win in a fight between the boys <laughs> yes, and the Umbrella Academy?" And I was like, "Oh, that would have been a good conversation to have too." <laughs> well, the Umbrella Academy would beat the boys per se, but would they beat the seven? That was the question. Yes, seven versus. So the yeah, patreoncom slash podcast. Check us out there. We also have another podcast, uh, a mini cast for that lined up to go. That'll be coming up in probably a couple weeks, and we're going to keep doing those. That is the way you can help us out, and we try to give a little bit back. That brings us to the end. Look forward to this next week. We're going to keep doing the Mandalorian for all eight episodes, and that's what's keeping us going right now. This will probably lead right us into uh, WandaVision. Because I think Wonder Woman's going to get pushed. Yep. Excellent. All right, guys. I'm Jerry. I'm Joel. We'll talk to you next time.